turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Hey, I'm going to do something a little different. Earlier today, I recorded a, a live stream, and I introduced the topic of General Mike Flynn and his new role. I want to play that for you. You'll like it. It summarizes everything. Then we'll come back, and we'll visit with our old friend, Dr. Brett Decker and Todd Benzman. So listen right now. Here I am. It's our today's wink on what we're talking about, what's happening with General Mike Flynn. Listen to this. Good morning, everybody. Welcome, and uh, thanks for jumping into this live stream today. Great to be with you. And um, well, this is an important one for me. I've been thinking about this for a while, and I'm really excited. You can see from the caption on here, uh, the phrase you'll see, it says, General Michael Flynn is America's future. Now, a lot of you that are a fan of uh, General Flynn and his career and his uh, his survival of the great persecutions uh, and also what he how he is uh, probably think, oh, yeah, he is part of America's future. But there's a little bit of a story there. We'll get to that uh, in a moment. But let's start like we always do and like we should with our Pledge of Allegiance. I'll put up on the screen the uh, the uh, words of the pledge so you can. Join us in case you don't uh, know them. And here's put up a flag. So no matter where you are, you have a chance. If you will stand and put your hand on your heart. And here we go. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. All right. Thank you. And thanks to some of our great viewers, Glenn, especially, who always uh, has always reminded me of the power of the pledge. So, all right. Well, this is really an exciting day. Just a few hours from now on this um, live stream, which is at 945 a.m. Eastern time is when I do a live stream every day available at YouTube, available uh, the YouTube Phyllis Schlafly Eagles channel, Facebook Live, Ed Martin Live, also on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin and other places and pass it around, please. Uh, so you can always come in and a few hours from now, about an hour and 15 minutes, uh, General Flynn will send an email out to about 100,000 people whose email addresses uh, are people that support him and are interested in what he's doing. Extraordinary group of people. He has an amazing follower. The following is in the millions. But that email will go out, and it will announce an extraordinary change that I believe history will mark as a, a very important one. Because America's Future, Inc., is a nonprofit organization started in 1946 by some of the patriotic Americans who were worried that there weren't enough people out there educating and talking about American exceptionalism and how the American system works so well for human families, for human beings and, and their families. And so these these founders of America's Future Inc. in 19 late it actually started a few years earlier, but it was incorporated in 1946. Started America's Future Inc. And over the decades, 
it has been one of the leading uh, organizations promoting what's at the heart of America. Sometimes famously, in the 1950s and 60s, America's Future was kind of famous, published some great uh, writers, a man named John T. Flynn and others, down through the 60s and 70s, engaged in, again, talking about what America, the specialness of America, the systems that make America so special and such a great place for flourishing. In the face of communism in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was a lot of need for that. And over the years, lots of leading uh, businessmen and women and publishers and others came on board. And I'll just point to two of them because one of them is very close to me and the other one is, uh, is also I'm close to. But uh, the first was Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly, began serving on America's future decades ago. And during that time, General Jack Singlob, who uh, is a great American patriot, he began serving on America's future Inc.'s board. And the two of them worked together. They were great friends. And, of course, Phyllis Schlafly passed away a few years ago. General Singlob is still going strong, almost 100 years old. Amazing man. The last few years, General Singlob has served as the chairman of America's Future. But about, I'd say, two decades ago, as America's Future sort of settled into its, its kind of role, they were doing publishing and some radio, uh, Phyllis Schlafly and General Singlob and a few others said, you know, what's the future going to be for this organization? And they kind of felt like the future would come. And a few years ago, General Flynn became the, the, the person, the man that I think we needed to take over this organization. So later today, we're going to announce that General Michael Flynn has become the chairman of America's Future, America's Future, Inc., a, a nonprofit focused not on politics. You see, General Flynn is not a politician. He's just it's not his thing. He's not a politician. He was a warrior. He was a, a man who was a learner in the military. He became a, a, a three-star general. That's not easy to do. This is a, the cream of the crop. But he's not, a, he's not a, someone who was a politician. In fact, in his career, he became an expert on lots of things, warfare, certainly, intelligence, counterintelligence, became an expert on national security, I certainly got to know firsthand campaigns helping uh, President Trump as a candidate in 2015 and 16. But people in a, this country know he also has um, served a term, almost a four-year term, as a prisoner of the modern persecution machine. That was government tied together, we call it the deep state or not, but government tied together with media and big tech. And for four years, he was, he really was a prisoner of this modern persecution machine. And here's what happened. So now he's someone who's not only a great leader, a, a great uh, dynamic, uh, a, a man who's educated and succeeded at the highest level, but now he's someone who has survived a kind of persecution, a kind of prosecution. I, I heard someone say that the prosecution uh, is the, the, the process is the punishment. You know, that the people that were doing this to General Flynn, they didn't need to ultimately win. They were putting him through it and taking him off the, the fields of battle at the time. But he came through and he's a survivor now. And the way people relate to him is as someone who has gone through the hard times, gone through the tough times and persevered. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't make it simple. And so when I say General Flynn is America's future, what I mean is he's looking out and saying, how do we continue to be a great nation? How do we continue to be a great people? What is it about our nation and our people that can make us stronger and better and happier? And when he talks about his faith and his family, when he talks about the systems 
of how we're supposed to fit together, just as America's future did starting in the late 1940s. You know, the kind of the market system that allows flourishing, the property rights system allows flourishing. You can hear, you can hear General Flynn talk about all that. But the authority that he brings to this moment in America is second to none, I think. I've never seen anything like it. So it's really, really exciting. So I encourage you, visit americasfuture.net, americasfuture.net to learn more. Uh, Over the next couple of weeks and months, General Flynn's got a lot in store uh, in terms of communicating what he sees and feels. And I think if he were sitting next to me, I've heard him talk about this. He's not America's future in the sense that uh, he's in his 60s, I guess. But he's fighting and battling and communicating because America's future is 20 right now and 15, and 10, and 30 young people that are looking ahead and saying, am I supposed to live in a world where fear of government and fear of, uh, of, of uh, COVID and fear of, of other uh, foreign entities, am I supposed to, how do I live with that? And so I think General, future, uh, General, Flynn, General, future, General Flynn knows that America's future is all our kids and grandkids and that it's worth fighting for and it's so special. So again, it's a really important day uh, for this country. I think history will mark uh, that uh, General Flynn's uh, role in how special America is, uh, is continuing uh, in a very special way. And that's America's future. And so uh, on, on behalf of a lot of people like John Schlafly and Phyllis Schlafly, the late Phyllis Schlafly, other folks that all these years work together, it's a great blessing that General Flynn has taken on this role. It's a great privilege that he would do this. So he, could be playing, he could be playing golf and surfing at this point. He's earned it. Instead, he wants to fight for America's future. It's going to be something to see. So uh, I want to encourage you again, visit americasfuture.net to find out more and stay tuned. I happen to be uh, blessed enough to be working with him on some of what's coming. And he's got a vision of how to uh, work together and be together and live together and continue to uh, have the blessings that God's given this nation, have them continue to grow and uh, increase. So uh, check it out. I'll look forward to it and have a great weekend, everybody. It's uh, it's a special day. It'll be a special weekend and uh, good, good and hopeful times are coming when, uh, when things like General Mike Flynn uh, taking over this position happen. Uh, be encouraged. Uh, don't be discouraged. So we'll talk again soon. Thanks for uh, being here. And again, don't forget americasfuture.net. Check it out and go over to proamericareport.com. Sign up for our emails and uh, get looped in on all that we're doing. God bless you all. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. It's a chance to catch up with our old friend Todd Bensman. Todd is over at the Center for uh, Immigration Studies. He's down on the border quite a bit. He is uh, the man to talk to on this. First of all, welcome, uh, Todd. How are you today? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me. Before we get to some specifics and some of the things you're writing on and some of the things you're seeing, may I ask you, um, for uh, me and I think for most of our listeners, suddenly in the last week, there's less and less coverage of the border. It's not that it's gotten better, right? It's just the coverage has stopped? I think the coverage has stopped. Like, um, there was an initial uh, rush because the very first opening salvos of the Biden administration was immigration related. So, um, and uh, those things caused the rush on the border, but the numbers are still astoundingly high. Uh, You know, I think we're going to have 180,000 apprehensions for the month of April once the official numbers are out. So they're still coming. It's it's still a a very historic, we haven't seen anything like this in 25 years. I'm going down on Monday 
to have another look at a different part of the border. So we'll see. Uh, we're, talk- we're, we're talking right now with Todd Benzman. He is the San- Senior National Security Fellow over at the Center for Immigration Studies. If you go to uh, CIS.org and then slash Benzman, you'll see all of his writings. You can get through to it there. And he has uh, written a book, very good book, uh, uh, America's Covert Border War, The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to Prevent Jihadist Infiltration. Uh, Todd Benzman, the piece you ran a couple days ago, again, at Center for Immigration Studies, got a- excuse me, got a ways at the border why the mass migration crisis is more severe than official reporting suggests. Now, as you get into this and explain this to our listeners, may I ask, was the official reporting, has the official reporting been uh, um, incomplete for a decade or did it start getting incomplete in the last 10 weeks? Well, the, the gotaways have rarely been, released publicly. Nobody likes to release those numbers, Republicans or Democrats. Uh, what are they? Tell, uh, me what, tell, me, tell me what they are again. Well, uh, for the month of April, I mean, they do leak out Border Patrol, uh, people at CBP. Some people want these, these to be out. Uh, Godaway numbers will be about 40,000 again in April, and they were 38,000 in March. So when you get the official press release from CBP saying, you know, 177 or 178,000 immigrants were apprehended, in your mind, think up, think of another 40,000 that were not apprehended at least. Okay. So it'd be it'd be more like, um, you know, 220,000 or 210,000, which is. the Godaway numbers are, are much higher than they ever used to be, uh, mainly because right. border, border Patrol have been shifted from other parts of the border to the really busy, crazy part of the border down in South Texas. And so it's the coast is clear and the border is undefended in a lot of areas. Hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So now back to this. Uh, back to the problem. I, uh, tell me and tell our listeners um, the problem, as you say, is worse than people realize. Um, but I guess <laughs> how bad is it? Well, it's historic. The numbers are through the roof. Uh, everybody was um, crazed a few years ago when we had a uh, hundred and forty thousand apprehensions. During the Trump administration, uh, when that spike happened, 2018, 2019, now we're looking at 180,000. Uh, these are the highest numbers that we've seen, just the apprehensions. I'm not talking about the gotaways. These are people that were caught and logged as having been caught. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the indicator of how bad things are. Uh, we haven't seen numbers like that in 25 years. So uh, hmm. that gives you an idea of the scale of the problem. And I think it's just going to go up from here. I, I'm going to say that um, one way to look at this is that you have to kind of break down the, the, the migrant types, immigrant types. So the families with children, if you come in, uh, you claim to be a mother or father with a child or you're pregnant or something like that, you are being waved in. You will get legal documents and be put on buses to anywhere in the United States you want to go. That is the primary part of the crisis because right. when you let 
50,000 in and give them legal documents and put them on buses, it spawns the next 50,000 and the next 50,000. Everybody sees the opportunity to get in. And so you see rafts filled with little children and babies uh, and mothers, one after another after another, just pouring over the Rio Grande. And that takes uh, resources to process those people in. There's Nobody's even trying to stop them. They are allowed in now under the Biden administration. The other kind of immigration that that is happening at the same time are the children and unaccompanied uh, minors, right? So right. that's because the Biden administration decided that they would not leave a child in Mexico. So any child that they, that they are aware of that is alone, they are not going to put them back in Mexico as a humanitarian uh, matter. So the parents on the other side are taking advantage of that and just pushing them over and say, I'll catch up with you. So um, then you have single adults. Single adults are being pushed back still under Title 42. Uh, that's the pandemic right. containment uh, policy. So when right. they catch single adults, they uh, put, put them back in Mexico but there's no consequence, so they try again and again. There's no legal consequence, and they try over and over and over again until they get in. Uh, and then they they also look for parts of the border where that are left undefended, and they are just pouring into those parts of the border and getting through. Um, we're talking with Todd Benzman. Todd, in your in your piece posted a few days ago on again at Center, Center for Immigration Studies, CIS dot org, uh, you you recount a quote from a pilot, a, 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 a Customs and Border Patrol pilot. He says, "Sometimes I'm flying over a ranch. There'll be people there, five or ten maybe, and I'll radio and say, hey, there's some here, and I'll be told the supervisor come back and say ten seventy nine that, which means disregard it. No one's available." That, that's the other part of this, right? I mean, you, you're, you're talking about an influx. You're also talking about, if, if not a decreased number of agents, um, certainly a, a Border Patrol agents who are stretched thin and, uh, and overworked. And so a lot of times it's kind of throw up your hands and just, um, just keep kind of um, keep moving, right? Yeah, that's right. So while you're having this rush of families and, and uh, teenagers, uh, that requires manpower to process. You right. have to have people. And so you're pulling them from other parts of the border, from the northern border, from airports, from ICE, from other agencies, USCIS, calling all volunteers, all hands. And Border Patrol agents end up spending the entire night, night after night after night, day after day after day, just processing in children and women and babies. Uh, that leaves the, the border unguarded and for the single adults. So then the single adults just come rushing through, and they're run, they, those are called runners. There's nobody to stop them. Uh, so you might have a helicopter pilot see them all over the place, and it's just like, wow, look at them go. You know, they're just pouring over right. the border. So I, I just came in from um, Big Bend sector out in West Texas where this is really prevalent, single adults thousands and thousands of them just pouring in the border patrol in those regions say there's like four of us on a shift for a hundred miles right. of border there's nobody here uh and right. so the the cartels on the other side have realized that this is a great opportunity they're charging 11 and twelve thousand dollars a head 
for immigrants to have an almost 90 percent, 100 percent chance of actually getting through without being 42 back. So that's that's the those are the symptoms of border collapse of the collapse of border all border control systems. And that's what I was going to ask you again. I, I, I want to make sure to uh, to um, uh, highlight CIS.org is the website for the Center for Immigration Studies. Todd Bensman is their senior national security fellow. Uh, he, he writes their kind of a mini blog essays that sometimes are running other places, but they're all posted there. And also his book, Americans Covert Border War, The Untold Story of the Nation's Battle to Prevent Jihadist Infiltration, his book out a few months ago. Really good. Um, but Todd, it, how does it end? I mean, you, you just use a phrase at the end. It's a total collapse of the border. How, how does this end well i mean i just at this point i see no interest by the biden administration in ending this uh i only see facilitation and ushering in i don't see any interest at all kamala harris doesn't want to go down there nobody wants to even dignify it as a problem by visiting and pretending even that it's a problem and so i just see it continuing to go year after year, month after month, year after year, until literally millions and millions of people will have crossed that border before maybe the Republicans get elected and put a stop to it. Because at some point, uh, you know, the the American public will wait, will start to feel this in taxation and you know, crime and outrages of different kinds and and maybe rise up at the polls to end it but i don't see the administration really any showing any any visible interest in in ending it so next week i'm going to go down to an area that is very uh heavily just because the media is not covering it does not mean it is not happening it is happening uh it is still happening so uh, i'm going to go down to the a very heavily traveled area where the families are coming over uh, in all night long on rafts uh, right in front of the border patrol. The smugglers get out within three feet of border patrol agents. Uh, the border patrol agents can't do anything about it. They watch them as they empty the boats. They get back in and go get more and all night long, that sort of thing. Uh, right in front, I mean, ski masked smugglers right within an arm's reach of border patrol agents can't do anything under orders not to. Wow. It, um, <clears throat> that is, um, it's something to see. We're going to have to see. I'm, I'm be really interested. We'll look forward to hearing, seeing your writing and hearing from you on uh, your visit down there. Again, Todd Benzman, everybody, Center for Immigration Studies, CIS.org. Thanks, Todd, for the time. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We come back. Don't forget, I post all these interviews over at ProAmericaReport.com. And uh, we'll be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Our old friend, Dr. Brett M. Decker is back with us. He, of course, is a professor over at Defiance College in Ohio, and uh, he is grading uh, term papers, I think, or maybe torturing students with exams. I can't remember which of those two, but he is, of course, also a New York Times bestselling author, and uh, he has written books about the Far East when he was in uh, the Far East as Asia uh, journalist for the Wall Street Journal Asia, and then he wrote uh, books while he was at the Washington Times as editorial page editor. He's a writer, mostly. I'm not mostly, but he's a writer among anything, among, among many things. So welcome back, Dr. Decker. My first question for you is the um, 
international affairs this week it, it almost it was it, it almost sort of went and it came and went that there was a rumor and i guess we don't even know if it was a rumor that iran was now getting uh they were renegotiating the iran deal or going back to it um i, I, I what is the what is the what's your sense of that that or what is your sense of the coverage of what's going on in the world do we really know much well one thing i you know is israel's been taking some shots at uh the Iranian nuclear sort of infrastructure. And, uh, you know, that must be because Israel or, or Israel and their allies, the United States and other people know that progress is being made and they're getting close to having um, a deployable nu- nuclear weapon or deliverable ones. Because right, for, for many years, a lot of us were like, look, you know, America gets into a lot of trouble by backing Israel on everything, right? It, like we're a superpower and this little country has a check on us. And it's not that I'm saying we shouldn't sort of be friends with Israel, but you know, a lot of times we get in a lot of trouble in the Islamic world just because of Israel, not just because America is a great Satan or whatever, as they, as they say. So a lot of times, a lot of people are asking, okay, why isn't Israel taking care of business in Iran? Right. Especially during the Obama years when the U S was getting wobbly and, and, and sort right. of enabling Iran. So I think recent Israeli attacks are probably because, um, you know, Israel's really worried that, that Iran's getting close and they need to they need to kind of uh, set back the timetable a little bit. So there's not that much news. Even the Israeli attacks oh, were kind of a blip on the news, and those were a pretty big deal. You had two, three attacks and, and, and over a week or two that were pretty substantial. So, so I think that that means, right, Iran is, is emboldened. Tehran is emboldened because of the Biden administration, and they're thinking it's going to be the, the good old days of Obama again. And, and I think that's probably why Israel acted, because they know they can't trust the United States right now. We're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker and New York Times bestselling author. Uh, and one of his books was called Bowing to Beijing about the Obama policies towards uh, China. And I want to shift over there to the communist regime in China. Dr. Decker, um, I- at this point, um, you know, the it was about a month ago, three weeks ago, where the, the secretary of state from the United States met with his counterparts from China. He tried to lecture them on um, uh, the secretary of state did on, on China's um, human rights record. They immediately jumped on them and said, Black Lives Matter kind of come back. It was it was embarrassing for everybody. Not particularly effective. Now we have the situation where India is going through this major crisis. I don't know whether I believe the coverage. I don't know whether I believe anything from anybody. And at this point, India, who would have been more conservative and something of an ally to Donald Trump, uh, Modi at least, now suddenly they're doing terrible. China looks like they're maybe going to go to the aid of of India. Uh, you know what, what's the what's the dynamic here in the world with the communist regime? They the communist. Regime Regime is celebrating that um, that they're going to make generic all the vaccines, so they'll get access to that. I, I, you know, on one level, it's a humanitarian humanitarian question: get as much vaccine as you can. On another level, giving away patents is not a very good idea if you want to try to protect your intellectual property. But it feels like we're on our heels with uh, the communist regime again. You know, one thing I, you know, I have uncertainty about this sort of under-tested vaccine to begin with. But the one thing I'd be even more worried about is having you know, these dirty Chinese labs that created the thing in the first place. Uh, you know, I don't think I really want to yeah. uh, address the Chinese virus with a Chinese-produced vaccine. I, You know, we're, 
China is is really uh, ascendant right now, and the United States isn't sure if it believes in itself anymore, and that's really dangerous, right? They're they're Beijing is uh, pumping out uh, uh, na- naval vessels like crazy um, to get more right. of an advantage in the South China Sea and the Pacific, and now they're they're buying off a lot of African countries, so they want to be able to project naval force into the Atlantic. Well, boy, that's a that's a whole new ball game where we're not used to being tested, you know. So um, I think I think it's very important that people realize, you know, all the talk about Russia, 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 China is a real threat going forward, right? Russia has a tiny economy. They have a lot of their own problems. Uh, China is big and huge and mobilizing quickly and is a definite threat. And, you know, the, Ob- the Obama people, the, the Biden people have shown that they're <laughs> way in over their, you know, way in over their head. I I talk to friends in Europe and I mention uh, different cabinet officials now, and none of them even know their names. It's like we don't even know who right. Biden's people are because they're so, so sort of under the radar. And I, I think that's that's dangerous. Well, and and the news out of Europe, I think it was a it was na- it was international uh, report, but it was Europe is where it got some attention that the birth rate has fallen um, in places like Italy dramatically uh, and all across Europe. Uh, what they don't say is among the bir- among the people having babies are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and it's really more like millions of uh, non-native Italians migrants and heavily uh, Muslim and is Islamic. I mean, is the future of Europe to be a former Christian place and be, you know, kind of uh, dominated by the Islamic uh, peoples that are moving in from other places? Well, you, you know, for many years in places like France, even the U.K., um, the most common baby name every year is Muhammad. And, and a lot goes into that, right? So Christians have lots mm-hmm. and lots of names. They name people. And Muhammad is a lot more, right? It's a high percentage name. Their, their, their son's Muhammad. So that skews it a little bit. But the fact being that the uh, Muslim name is still the most common in a lot of European countries tells you what the birth rate differences are. Uh, you know, one thing I know in France, um, every two weeks in France, every 15 days, I think, a new mosque is being constructed in France. Think of that. Two a month. And the wow. same rate about every... Uh, um, about every two weeks, a church is being destroyed, either because it's empty and demolished, or there's just been this just huge wave of quote-unquote accidental fires in, in Catholic churches and Christian churches across France. Well, how, I mean, how many accidents, and are they not an accident anymore? So you're losing two churches a month, two Christian or Catholic, you know, Christian churches a month in, in France, and two mosques a month are being built. So you can just see the religion getting replaced. And, right, I mean, most of Europe has no religion anymore, so it's, it's, it's not even really replacing it. It's stepping into the vacuum. And, and, I, and, and you're going to see this thing, these things turn around uh, pretty dramatically is, is this sort of Muslim majority makes a lot of demands, like... In Italy, they're saying they don't want Dante taught in public schools because Dante put uh, Muhammad in the inner circle of one of the, you know, in one of the rings of hell or whatever. And Mm -hmm. they came out with a new version of Dante that leaves that out of it. So either you're not teaching one of the great Italian authors or you're censoring it um, to placate this this sort of immigrant minority. So um, I read a lot of things are going to change. And the United States needs to think about that. Like, is, is 
is Europe, you know, it's it's been pretty unreliable recently anyway, but what if it's sort of an Islamic state? Look how much Turkey's changed in recent years. It used to be secular and used to be a great ally of, of America, and now it's it's getting Islamist and very unreliable. Well, what if what if Europe goes the way of Turkey? It's, it's right. It's a very very unsettling possibility. We're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker again, New York Times bestselling author and a professor. And I want to close with a, a question and ask you your opinion. We're now about a year plus, a year and a month or two into the sort of pandemic uh, of this 2020, 2021. And one of the great um, concerns has been education. And I was with uh, someone uh, earlier this week who was talking about his own children who were in uh, two in college two, three in uh, in high school and younger. And he described it all virtual. He described it as uh, a lost year. And I said, well, for all of them? I mean, I figured one was at a state school, one was at a private school, those are universities, one was at a, uh, a public high school, one was at a private um, uh, middle school. I thought, uh, he said, it really has been, you know, it, it, they've learned stuff, but it's been a lost year in terms of uh, development. I don't, I, he did not have an authority. I'm not saying he's an expert. He's not an educator, although he's an educated guy. Well, what's your assessment of this year now? As, as someone who has, has taught at every level and also has gone to school for decades, what is your assessment of how it's worked out? And, and what, what did, did, did certain, certain aspects of it get the hang of it? Is it um, betraying and, and unveiling the, the failure of some education? What is, what's your response? I, I think, if anything, it shows us where we are as a country as far as education. So I wouldn't call it a lost year because I think education is not doing its job in general. You know, so, you know, public schools are arms of propaganda rather than education. So, um, you know, the fact that maybe students lost a year of, um, you know, not getting, you know, not getting brainwashed, I, I'm not too worried about that. But I think the idea of, you know, are we a country that gets things done anymore? And if something like this, if, if everyone's just like, oh, we just, you know, this year went into a black hole, really, are, do we really have so little persistence that something like this just we have to, we have to you know, wipe away the slate for a whole year? I, I, you know, what happens when we run, run into a real serious national crisis that's bigger than this, right? It's something more existential. Um, challenge from China, more serious challenge from the Islamic world, whatever it may be. Um, do we have what it takes to stand up to something um, that's really, really existential instead of this, instead of this kind of whatever this this pandemic curiosity? And and I think I, I think that's I think that's what's most troubling about it is we're ready to you know throw in the cards on the slightest kind of uh, um, disruption now. And, well, you know, what happens if you have a, a real depression or a real major, large, world-sized war again? Well, I'm, I'm not sure we have what it takes to, to stand up and, 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 and try to win something like that anymore. And I think this last year is kind of, you know, a big warning sign as far as that goes. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Brett M. Decker. Let me let me try sneak in one more question. Uh, and you're uh, I know your degrees, advanced degrees in uh, in business and uh, and but also you have a background in history and and archaeology even. Um, in in the in the moments in uh, other parts of uh, well of history as I've read it, places like Milan in northern Italy and and Venice um, and France, when they got through plagues, they had celebrations to sort of mark the end. They tended to be religious celebrations at the time. But is there a way uh, that you could envision sort of helping to break the the 
the spell of this? You know, we're 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 obviously you know coronavirus is going to be with us for a long time, just like the flu. It's going to come back and forth, but we now know how to treat it. We know who's vulnerable. We have some ideas with different uh, therapeutics as well as others. Is there some way we, as a culture, could not Biden, not Trump, either one would be too divisive, you know, not uh, not uh, Germany, you know, alone or EU or something. But can you envision some way that we sort of put it behind us or something happens that we say, OK, and, and we can go forward? Because it feels like the fear is lingering in a lot of uh, a lot of parts of our, our, our uh, communities. You know, sometimes you have you, you have some scientific breakthrough that that kind of captures the imagination is all the talk of going to Mars and that kind of thing. Or I, what I find bizarre is when they talk about going to the moon, supposedly we did that, whatever. Right. So how is that, how is that an, <laughs> right, how is right. that achievement in the 21st century again? But, you know, maybe it's something like that that can be inspiring some, some new breakthrough. Um, I think, I think other than that, you know, part of our, uh, the problem is we have this dearth of leadership today and, if you know if a leader would pop up out of somewhere and be sort of an optimistic influence on people, you know, sort of strike a hopeful note, then maybe that can happen. I, I just think we need leaders to lead, and there aren't that many of them, right? In in, in secular or religious realms right now. Yeah, it is. That does seem like the thing that's lacking, and the ones we have are in politics, and I think their their credibility has been shot in a lot of ways, or at least, the, or the tribes have been too far divided. So, uh, all right, Dr. Brett M. Decker, as always, a pleasure to talk to you. Dr. Brett M. Decker, New York Times bestselling author, professor at Defiance College in Ohio, uh, has written numerous books and uh, and written columns all over the place, and uh, understands how politics and policy fit together. Thanks for the time. Yeah, you know, maybe what the solution is people need to go to baseball games, and then it'll all be better. <laughs> could be, could be. All right, we will uh, we will take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, and we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of twenty seven books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than seventy years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Rhinos or Republicans in name only, have been a cancer on the Republican Party for decades. Conservatives have had to spend far too much of their time fighting against the fake Republicans who infiltrate leadership positions in the party, which leaves little time for the fight against our more transparent adversaries. Donald Trump has devised the best way to deal with them once and for all. His plan is simple. No more money for rhinos. Trump explained, they do nothing but hurt the Republican Party and our great voting base. They will never lead us to greatness. Trump is absolutely right to expose the parasites within the GOP who soak up money while thwarting party growth. In 2020, the Republican National Committee used Trump's name heavily to raise hundreds of millions of dollars. A lot of that cash went to fund Republican candidates other than Trump. Even after the election, the RNC continued to use Donald Trump's name for fundraising purposes. Keep in mind, Trump is not being stingy by asking the RNC to stop fundraising off his name. He always has been very generous in allowing other Republicans to use his name, until they recently started stabbing him in the back. The RNC funds some of the 17 congressmen and senators who voted in favor of impeaching Trump and unconstitutionally convicting him after he left office. It's no wonder Trump wants to stop sending money to these people. Trump can and should control the use of his own name. For too long, rhinos have benefited from Trump's coattails when raising money, 
only to govern as anti-American, anti-Trump liberals. If they want to vote like Democrats, let the Democrats fund their campaigns. It's not merely justifiable to withhold money from them. It's the only right thing to do. When Republicans and Democrats are both funding liberal candidates, they're depriving voters of a real choice between two candidates. Prospective Republican candidates do not deserve a dime of RNC money if they refuse to stand by the Republican Party platform, which expresses the sentiments of grassroots Republicans everywhere. Let's follow Trump's plan. No more money for rhinos. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin, I just got 30 seconds to wrap things up. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. Some great interviews. I went along with Decker. Dr. Decker had a lot to say. Todd Benzman. And also, I hope you enjoyed that special uh, introduction to what's happening with General Mike Flynn. He's going to take over an organization, America's Future. It's going to be extraordinary. So please visit ProAmericaReport.com and listen to any of these interviews and follow them back up. Thank you to Noah, our technical director, Joanna, for booking our guests and you for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. Talk to you next week. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer San Diego.